Hey, what's up? This is Jay, a.k.a. the Hip Hop Taliban, host of the Get Off My Lawn podcast. I know it's been a long time, and because it's been a long time, uh, this episode ended up being about three hours long. Uh, It was too big of a file to upload to the server and deliver to you as one podcast. So, what's better than one? Two. So, it's been split in half if you are hearing this on the day it drops. Part two will drop tomorrow. If you are hearing this after um, mid-April, then uh, once you finish this episode, just click over and roll right into the next. Peace. The following program contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Two one two, one two one two, one two one two. Let me see if I still remember how to do this, ladies and gentlemen. Be boys, be girls, be men, be women. The Get Off My Lawn podcast is back. In effect, COVID nineteen coronavirus edition. This your boy Jay, aka JC, aka J Caesar, aka Law T, aka the Hip Hop Taliban. And that's where you can't find me on Twitter at Hip Hop Taliban. I'll be there checking in every once in a while, but uh, more importantly, I was able, without violating any federal state regulations, to connect with my two, my mellows, my mans, AB, the professor, where you at? Peace, peace, peace. Woo! And... In, in the, the epicenter of the outbreak, still braving, still storming, black cloud, where you at? Yo, what up, what up, man? It's crazy out here, it's crazy out here. Woo, I'm telling you, it is one of those things that has, uh, like, 
you being in New York and being around for 9-11, I don't know how this situation compares in terms of like just totally disrupting the social order, but on this scale, never seen anything like it. I don't think I could have imagined it, but you know, hanging in there, staying in quarantine, how y'all doing? Well, I mean, we're good. I mean, it's it's definitely disrupted quite a bit. Um, I mean, just, you know, just seeing a picture. Cause I haven't been in New York in over probably like a month um, being in the city. But, you know, seeing the pictures of the Times Square empty and that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it's definitely disrupted the city way more than 9-11. And it should have. I mean, because we, we have to be away from each other. We have to, you know, you know shelter in place and, you know. Yeah. So, so it's it's a definitely a different vibe, but I mean, it's I think it's way more somber here in the tri-state area than it was um, during the uh, 9/11, which is crazy. Damn. What about you, AB? Yeah, man. When I look at it, you know, New York born and bred, Brooklyn dude, family was in New York during 9/11, as well as all our our homies from Syracuse and, you know, my people on the block. And after that happened, Americans weren't asked to make a whole lot of sacrifices, right? If anything, we were asked to go to the mall and keep shopping. And I get it when 70, 75% of your economy is based on consumption, that people stop buying things, that's bad for your economy. But we really didn't have to make a lot of sacrifices. Not those of us who are civilians. People in the military, it's a different story. and I was in the D.C. area when 9-11 happened, right? And there was some drama there, too, with the attack on the Pentagon and the disruption that happened thereafter. Oh, yeah. D.C. was more shook in terms of changing people's everyday behavior after the sniper incident than after 9-11. Uh, because oh, after yeah. the sniper incident, people were afraid to go outside because it was happening all across the DMV, right? There were incidents in the district, in Virginia, in Maryland, and people were being told, don't walk in a straight line, but zigzag so you make yourself a harder target to hit. Like, that changed people's behaviors. This is on an entirely different scale, right? Um, Because you can't will yourself through this. You can't push yourself through this by saying, I'm gonna be mentally tough and give maximum effort. Um, it requires a greater degree of coordination between the local, state, federal government, the private sector. And the part about it that's been the most disruptive, people have to either stop working or work from home if they have the luxury of being able to work from home. A lot of things have come to a grinding halt. And the part that really, outside of the human impact of the virus, right, which is now becoming a racial thing because black people had some of the conditions, the preconditions that made them more susceptible because, you know, inequality is making us sick. Um, the thing that really got me after the human impact of, on people's health was the economic impact. Goldman Sachs had a report where they thought jobless claims would go up to about 2.2 million. They hit 3.3 million. Right. And then the following week, they went up to about over 6 million. So in two weeks, 10 million people were filing jobless claims. That's frightening. And the last thing is that they're saying that unemployment might go as high as uh, 32%, given if this goes on longer than what people are seeing right now. So this thing is scary from a public health perspective, from a human perspective, from an economic perspective. 
And I think it's going to stay with us in the way that World War II stayed with people. Mm. Now, as we know, you work in education. So have you, has your school uh, transferred to distance or online classes? How's that going? Yeah, it flipped everything upside down, man. Um, we initially, they said we would be away for three weeks. So one week for spring break, two weeks after. And the hope was that we would be able to return to campus. That went away real quick. We are remote for the rest of the semester. Graduation is postponed. Students had to move their things out of the dorms. We had a couple of students test positive for COVID-19. University of South Carolina has some test positive and some other places across the state. Um, my county, York County, is a hot spot in South Carolina. So, you know, we're, we're maybe the only state east of the Mississippi that didn't have a full stay at home order. So people weren't doing some of the things they should have been doing. Mm. Um, but as far as the university is concerned, man, my students are stressed out. My coworkers are stressed out. We're doing everything online. And a lot of people don't have experience teaching online classes. Some students don't like it because it requires more discipline. And the thing that I'm telling people, and I, I keep reminding my, co my coworkers of this, they're going to remember less about what we taught them and more about how we treated them. So we need to really be good to people right now um, because they're going through something really hard. And so are we. Yeah. What about you, uh, Trey? Has it um, impacted well, your... Because we know, like every time I look up, you're you know you're you're in the studio, you're you're hanging with uh, Rihanna, whatever <laughs> you, you know, and and you weren't you weren't keeping six feet of distance. I think that looked like that about was, five and two ways. That was years ago. That yeah. was years ago. Yeah. Um, but as far as this, I mean, this this has put everything on a standstill, like everything. So the plan. The partial plan was that I was supposed to start editing some stuff possibly for an esports team starting right about now. We'll say, yeah, yeah. So oh, right around right. now, well, actually it's supposed to be like last week, starting last week. So I was supposed to start editing stuff for esports team, not the full league. The league is NBA 2K League. So I was supposed to, you know, start working on some stuff with that. Yeah. All that stuff not happening. So they're not doing any tournament games to the league. They're doing like it, they did like a cool little three on three tournament, and they're doing everything online. So all of the stuff that I was supposed to be doing for them just isn't happening. And that's I mean that's across the board for so many people that I know that it's like if you have any shoots that you were planning, any film stuff that you were planning. One of my real good friends, he does location scouting for television shows and movies. All everybody's work just stopped, and it was just like. And you know, initially it was like, oh, we'll know when we come back. But one thing about insurance, one thing about scheduling, it's like, you don't know if you have an actor for a certain amount of time, you have, you know, you have a team for a certain amount of time. So everybody is just, you know, it's like a hurry up and wait. And now it's just a wait and wait because we don't know what's gonna happen after. We don't know, we don't honestly know when, when anybody's coming back, like for real. Like as far as television stuff, I mean, you're seeing people trying to do some live stuff and i mean live like instagram live we'll get to that later i'm sure and you know they're trying to figure out different ways to do it but for the people on the other side we're like all now looking for remote work oh you know and i have a system where i can remotely work from home i can edit from home i've done that i've been doing it for years so it's not new for me mm -hmm. but the fact that people aren't shooting new things 
they're kind of remixing their old stuff. So even some of the commercials you see, we're like, oh, you know, they, they have the, now that we're all at home, what they're using, they're using old footage from their commercials where they had somebody at home with them by themselves, then they're adding new voiceover. So the voiceover people are getting work. Well, some of them are getting work mm. because they're tapping into that. But everybody else, we're just like sitting at home, like wondering what the hell happened. Damn. And for yeah. and for anybody who's just uh, catching this for the first time, uh, Dre, you want to give him your Instagram because he is the most interesting black man in the world, and you're liable to catch Not up anything all. from him uh, hanging out with John Cena to <laughs> playing <laughs> to playing the background in a Rex and Effect video. To, oh my goodness! You uh, want to go there? Hanging out yeah. with Rihanna or certain other <clears throat> adult entertainers. Um, you know what? You just got to see it to believe it. A lister. Your your memory is like an elephant, huh? My, hey. my Instagram is Andre Cole A N D R E Cole C O L E. Um, and and I mean I've recently started putting some of the stuff from the vault up, just because it's you know it's it's stuff that's been sitting there and. You know, people are at home and they need something to watch. So I'm kind of throwing up stuff that I have never, nobody's seen. Like, like that Prince shot, Paul drop. Like the Prince <laughs> Paul, I shot some stuff with Prince Paul. And right. some of those are just nuggets. So they're like minute long clips of oh, longer gosh. interviews. Oh. And even stuff that's just kind of like we edited together. One of them was like a web series. So it was like the Prince Paul stuff, some some premiere stuff. Um, Big Pun and Christopher uh, Robinson. I have some other stuff that I'm gonna put up. Yeah, but it's also because I I shot it with some other people, so I'm gonna make sure that you know I'm not just kind of exhausting all of our all of our goodies. Yeah. Well, speaking of goodies, you even dropped some new. Uh, not too long ago, you shot that. Oh, wow. uh, you shot a Daddyo video. You shot something with Ra the Rugged Man, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I shot, yes. I, that was. Yeah. That was. Yeah, that was like late last year. I shot a uh, daddy o video with Ari the Rugged Man, which was which was fun. And it was like a last minute kind of like, yo, Dre, I'm coming to the city next. I forgot what it was. And he was like, next week, can we can you come do this video? And, you know, we've all daddy and I've always wanted to work on a video together. So it worked out. I mean, it worked out. And we, you know, we shot it in a, actually in daddy o's son's restaurant, which is dope. Excuse me, but it's uh, a lobster restaurant. It was dope. Like it was, you know, it was a cool and delight was there from Set the Sonic, and you know, some other people were supposed to come by, but because we finished, we we shot so quickly, they didn't they didn't get a chance to come through. But you know, what well, is the uh, is the link or is the video on your IGTV or do they have how do people see it? Yeah, the video that video i think is on my igtv or you go to daddy's igtv which is professor daddy it's definitely there it's uh i think already rugged man put up his youtube hold on a second yeah dad and re-up on my water like like the professor did oh <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh yeah already the rugged man he got it he has no he uses his youtube it's on professor daddy's instagram i think it's already rugged man's uh, IG, so there's some you know some some cool video stuff that we you know we shot. Actually, I didn't tell people this, but I shot those on. I shot that on the iPhone. What? Nice. Yeah, I said, and it was like because it was a total. Okay, doing your build, dude. Right. It was a total. It was a total experiment. So it was 
like from front to back it was an experiment so we were just like we're just gonna experiment with whatever we find so we was like let's just go and do it and so you know i got i had the song for a while so i just kind of knew you know the energy that they were going to bring and they had the idea of you know oh we're gonna shoot the restaurants so we kind of came up with actually it wasn't even supposed to be a restaurant in the beginning but that's the whole other thing we found the rest we did the rest figure out the restaurant like the day before the night before and then we go and we shoot this video and i you know i had i just gotten some new equipment i just gotten a new iphone 11 pro max like the friday before so i was just like let's just shoot it on the iphone they were like whatever hey so yo you really sound like bill duke when they did high flying bird for netflix oh yeah yeah, yeah I they mean, did the whole thing on iphones yep yo steven soderberg is incredible with that like i saw his rig i saw how he shot high flying bird i saw how he shot unseen and he shot those on like a seven and an eight i believe iphone seven and an eight wow. and i was just like yo you can you can do anything as long as you know you have good content you can make that so did you see uh what was the movie it was wilder tangerine i haven't seen it yet i saw part of it because he shot like that on iPhone back when it was like iPhone like five, five like, or something. Yeah. yeah like and, five. Yeah. And like if you didn't know, even knowing, you don't really like you would probably know because you, you know, are in the industry and have that eye. But for the casual viewer, I wouldn't have known. And and the movie's good. And I think that's like you said, if your content is good, then you can overcome the any kind of technical issues as long as you have that story to drive it yeah nice. yeah as long as you keep it moving and you got it you got a good story i mean like high flying bird is incredible on netflix i oh, yeah. just everybody see that i mean it's well written it moves it's you know great acting and you know and and bill duke kills and his like bill duke has like two or three scenes and kills and then it's like oh, yeah. you're just happy to see him in the movie like oh my god he's killing it is but that yeah, all, I mean, is that about charlie parker no, 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 no. It's um basketball flick about being a black agent trying to recruit top talent and dealing with the lockout situation. It's some good stuff. Oh, yeah, it's, good. it's on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix. Okay. Good. All right. Flying Bird. Check it out. And uh So the people can find the Black Cloud on, on IG and on the bird. Yeah. Yeah, man. And on the bird. I'm on Andre Cole at, at, at IG and on the bird. I'm you know. I'm I'm tweeting some. I gotta get back actually. And I know AB, you just jumped on Instagram, but uh, is Twitter still your your uh, social media platform of preference? Yeah, Twitter. I get spicy on the bird. ABJRPHD on Twitter and now on Instagram. D Nice brought me on Instagram, so it's interesting, man. That you know, this is a hip hop podcast, and we open up talking about you know how the coronavirus you know rona got people shook but then we see d nice authoring another moment in hip-hop history with these live shows on ig and really giving people some joy when they're hemmed up in their houses all day dealing with some tough situations and it was like a who's who of celebrity america and then worldwide showing up in his feed everybody partying together like how often can you say you party with d nice the former floatist Michelle Obama and Oprah. <laughs> right. Now, and, you know, and this is D nice who, you know, made history with BDP back in the day, who co-produced self-destruction, who played parties at the white house. Like he had people swag surfing in the white house. Right. And now this, 
Yeah. So, you know, shout out to D-Nice, authoring another big moment in hip-hop history. Now, at what point did you did you come in? Because I know he had one big night, and then, like, the next oh. day, he did it again. And I came in on that second one. I came in on that Saturday night. Like, he started earlier that week. So, this is about two weeks ago. He started it that week with maybe 200 people. Yeah. But then that Saturday night, it exploded, and he got up to about 130,000 um, viewers. And the way I look at this... It's not just 130,000 because you got to think about it like radio. Your audience is going to change over the course of the day, right? This right. dude played for eight, nine hours. You're not going to have the same audience. It's going to change. And you're going to be like my house. We had four people in our house mm. grooving to him on one account. So you figure he could have easily reached half a million people that night. And the suits knew it. You know, Zuckerberg was in there. Netflix was in there. So the first night he hit about 130,000. Then on Sunday, he came back again and he hit 124,000 in the first 16 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So he was he was killing it, man. Um, and all the stuff that's happened since, like the, the producer super DJ battles on IG and all of this, like the live sets, like all of that started popping off after D-Nice. Well, he's, I just checked, he's on, he's on live right now. Um, yeah, so he's the reason I got on IG, man. I was, I was holding out. Now I'm there. The People's Prop is on IG and a bird. So have you been checking in with him? I mean, like, if you see that he's on, do you say, oh, okay, he's on, or do you make, do you just, how, yeah, how I'll check in it, because he, he plays good sets, man. Like, okay. He'll, he'll get into a nice groove with something, man. He'll go funk. He'll go old school. Like, he had a set that, that Saturday night, Sunday night. He was doing all this Afrobeat from, like, Fella Cuddy and everything, man. So his range is pretty amazing, right? Yeah. And so if he's on, if Quest Love is on, if Primo is on, I'm checking him out just to see what's happening. Because, you know, I'm up late nights anyway doing all this work for my job because, you know, my my children think I work for them. So, you know, my, my job that pays bills, I got to do that after they go to bed. So I'm up anyway, man. And I'm really, it's been good for me because there's a lot of weight on my shoulders. We're doing a lot of work. Um, there's some uncertainty about different things and it's a lot to deal with right now, man. Like there are people who don't know if they've given their parents a hug and a kiss for the last time. Yeah. You know, so that stuff is heavy. Um, and it's in moments like that I mean, if, if there are any people in this country who know how to smile in the face of really difficult times, it's black people. Yeah. And that's what D-Nice and a whole lot of other people in the creative community are giving us right now. Well, when did you come in, Dre? It was, it was funny for me because I think the first time I went in was either win a Wednesday or a Thursday night. And it was because someone had said, oh, D-Nice is mixing. And it was like, whatever his first day was. Um, and then I didn't pay attention to it. I was just like, okay, like, you know, all right. You know, it, it, it didn't impact me. And then one, it must have been that Thursday, that Friday night, I, somebody said D-Nice is mixing. So I was just like, oh, okay. And I saw, and I said somebody, it was somebody on Twitter. And I hate when say, people say somebody, but it was one of my friends said something like, oh, D-Nice is killing it right now. So I was like, all right, let me go find it. So I went on Twitter and I mean, I went on Instagram live, found him, went in the room. It was about 2000 people in there. And as I see people commenting, I knew like half the people in the room. 
<laughs> it was, and I tweeted. It was like it was like you stumble into a party that's crazy and it's packed, and you know yeah, after a while, to me, it felt like and, a shine party. And, but right, and nobody told you. You're like, <laughs> why did any of y'all invite me to this part? Like, and he was killing it. Yeah. So I'm like, so I'm getting into the groove, and then he ends like 15 minutes later. Oh. So I was, like, I was like, are you kidding? So I'm like texting people like, yo, why didn't you? This is how I go. Like, there were so many people from Syracuse in there that night. It was like a Syracuse reunion. Wow. Every time I check on, Pop is there. Yeah. Pop is always there. Every Pop, time yep. I check Pop on, Pop, Pop is in yep. there. Shanti Doss is in there. Shanti, like, Shanti Doss. Yo, Abrahams is in there. Right. So that's how crazy it was. So then the next day was that Saturday. So I was like, yo, and I, I tweeted about, I was like, yo, I'm going tomorrow. Like, you know, it was like, it was yeah. weird. Like how you feel this thing, like, you know, I really had a fear of missing out, but sitting there and realizing like he's killing it with these, like his, his blends are incredible. He's really like, he's really killing the music, like the, you know, fella cootie and all that stuff. So I was like, all right. So Saturday when I go in there, I start, I start out, I go in early, you know, like he says he's at starting at five, I'm there like 5.02. See, like, right. I'm the dude, like I'm in there with the bouncers, like trying to get in the club. And, <laughs> you know, he, yeah, he kills it. And within like, I think the first 15 minutes, he had about 10, 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. No, he had, I remember he had 10,000 people and everybody was saying, oh, you're going to get the 20 today. And so everybody's commenting, you're going to get the 20 today. And that was the day he got to what one fifty, yeah. And it yeah. was it got it got real crazy because I had friends who I've worked with, whatever they were in there, they were like, "Yo, Trey, you know, you can't really talk to people because you don't see all of the comments. Right. So you can, you know, you see who you can see according to the algorithm. So even if I see you and I say something, you might not see it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just really appreciated what he's bringing as far as you know his blends and then you know kind of capping off so that other DJs. Well, like they saw it and they decided, you know, well, I'll go on. So you had Tika Pre go on. Yeah, right. Bismarck Key was doing right. blends. The other, you know, he started doing blends and he was doing like the old, you know, I'm from Queens, Queens, New York, like the R and B with right. uh, with hip hop blends. And then Kwame did a Saturday morning and had the the people like Special Ed came in the live with him and was rhyming. Yeah. I got it made in the lot. It was crit- <laughs> like it was just crazy. You know, Nice has been trying to share the limelight too, right? Like right. he's been setting people up. He's like, hey, if y'all if y'all enjoyed this, go check out my man Quest Love for the after party. He's gonna be spinning R and B and such and such. Like you know, his attitude is everybody can eat. Yeah. Well, the Kwame so set other people up. That, he went from two hundred and thirty thousand followers to over a million in one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because. As I said, uh, now everything's blurring together. Maybe sometime early last year, on uh, Wednesdays, I was going. I had all this all this vinyl. I'd go out to the record store and just pick up albums that were on sale, and then come back in. Like usually, I'd know uh, one of the main cuts why I picked up the album, like old school R and B, funk, something like that. But I wouldn't know the other cut, so I just come on, throw it on, and then just sort of listen to the listen to the songs on IG. Right. And don't let me stumble across a song that triggers their 
copyright protection algorithm because it will shut your stream down and off. And the bad part about that is that if you get shut off because of a copyright violation, it doesn't give you the option to save the video. So one night I was on there and I was on for about an hour. And it was like the day that Aretha Franklin passed. And so I was playing whatever I was playing. And then the last song on the way out, because it'll let you go for an hour and then it'll shut you off and you just have to log back in. But I got to the 58th minute. I put on Rocksteady, let it play. And within about mm, 45 seconds, IG was like, no, no, no. Shut oh, me no. off and I lost the video. Um, if, if I even thought about going anywhere near Prince, Michael Jackson, come on. Mm-mm, nah. Um, I'm trying to think of another one that shut me off. But the point being that, like, I, I, the music was cool. It was, to me, it was cool to see all the people in there and the numbers just off the charts for D-Nice. But what I couldn't wrap my head around was how he was able to play this music and not get cut off. Now, I understand once you hit a certain point, then obviously there are going to be probably concessions made. Once you get that blue check mark, you're probably in a different uh, a different set of rules to apply. But as he worked his way up to that point, I'm wondering, like, how was he not getting cut off? And so now I guess it's just open game on Instagram. Facebook is still will shut you down in a minute um, if you play anything that is copyrighted music. So I don't know how don't he know, gets man. away with it. I don't know. I think about it and it's like there had to be people that brought it to the attention of the suits behind IG, right? And when you start doing numbers like that and you start thinking about the number of eyeballs and how long people are staying on, because when you look at IG, IG will tell you the amount of time that you spent on there in a day or over a certain period of time. And they have all those things too, right? right. And you figure how sticky his stuff is because people don't just tune in. They tune in and stay right. for a long time, sometimes hours. And so they're looking at this through the lens of, you know, corporate capitalism. They're like, hey, we have an opportunity here. And maybe if we can convince others, we can do some business, right? Um, you know, when, when people have that much money, they're never satisfied. They're always looking for more. And and looking at what he did, they're probably seeing an opportunity. Now, one of the things that I like, in addition to trying to put on other creatives and other artists, they immediately turned it toward good causes. Like they're, they were raising, um, I think they registered 40,000 voters one night. Like he did the party with Michelle Obama and they registered 40,000 new voters. Um, you know, putting it toward other uses too. So yeah, it's entertainment, but then there's some good things that can be done. And so he's not, there are people who are going to look at it and want to monetize it for corporate capitalist reasons. But then there are people that will look at it and say, well, how can we use this to reach people who need to be reached about important things? Um, I look at the way that, for instance, um, Anthony uh, Fauci from the... Um, Centers for Disease Control and, and all involved in the national effort to deal with coronavirus. He's been going on people's IG and social media to talk about what people can do 
to try to make themselves safer to help flatten the curve. He was on with um, Steph Curry, for instance, and he's been going on with other people. So, you know, I look at all of this as a, a critical moment. Like, here's this is what happens when hip hop matures, right? We can get people through difficult times, but we can also promote the public health by raising awareness and, and promoting good behaviors. Yeah. I'm still mad I got cut I'm off. I'm still not dealing with you getting cut off. <laughs> I mean, Facebook owns Instagram. And so yes. the and whole... Zuckerberg was in the room. Right. Right. So, so, so go have ahead. You tried to, have you tried to DJ since all of these DJs started coming? Have you tried I, to go on and play some music in the live I, if you haven't? I went back and I played uh, just just the test. I just let the let the music let the music play and and nah, nothing happened so i guess at some point maybe maybe now maybe as a result of d nice it's the the cops have uh just turned their backs like the la riots they just said whatever <laughs> <laughs> we're going home um, but the thing now is it's there's a saturation and and i almost want to say an oversaturation and it's I mean, it's cool because what else do you have to do? So I'm turning people on and, uh, you know, it's, it's really a matter of just finding the flavor, the DJ who kind of hits that, that note of what you want to hear at the time you tune in. But, uh, you know, I ain't mad at him. There's a lot of variety right now though, right? Like when, when Bill Withers passed away and, you know, shout out to the OG, right? Yeah. Bill Withers passed away. Quest Love did a R.I.P. set where he played a whole bunch of Bill Withers stuff, right? Um, he's been playing some, you know, he's been doing reggae, he's been doing soca. Like that you can get right now just about anything you want to. Like, um, was it when when D Nice came back on the other day, he was like, Okay, I'm doing strictly like nineties hip hop and R and B. Or um, Kwali will get on and Kwali will be spinning stuff, right? So there's a lot of variety, man. It's like walking down the grocery store and figuring out what you want or being in a record store and going to your favorite section and just thumbing through for what you want. You could just kind of bounce around IG Live right now and get some really good stuff, man. Like, so whatever mood you're in, you know, they can help you really get into that mood or whatever mood you're in and you want to get out of, they can uplift you. Yeah. And just on a side note, um, D-Nice, when, uh, is a member of BDP, Scott LaRock got killed yeah, because he was intervening to, in a dispute that D-Nice had with some guys about a girl he was talking to or something. So, um, I mean, I'm happy for him. Because I had seen, I think when he did uh, a White House event or something, when Obama was there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I just remember thinking, like, is that D nice? D nice? My name is D nice. And uh, so, hey, good for him. And that. Yeah, and the last last thing I'll say about that, he did an interview with Combat Jack, um, RIP to Combat Jack. Yeah. He did an interview with Combat Jack where he talked about, um, like, what it took for him to get back. Because, you know, he went from being hip hop royalty to then struggling and falling off and having to face the personal demons to fighting back through that to get to this point. So it's not like everything's been all good for D with D-Nice for all these years. 
Mm. Um, it's really a comeback story with him. So, you know, you, you love to see it, you know, you love to see people come back from those difficult situations. And so if people are interested in looking at the record, man, you can find that combat Jack interview and get the backstory of just what he's been through to get to this point. It's not an overnight thing. Mm. Yeah. I just remember from it's time to stand together in unity. Cause if not, then you we're soon to be self-destroyed, unemployed, but, um, However, DJs aren't the only ones uh, presenting a hip-hop presence taking advantage of uh, IG Live. We have these producer battles, and you just put me on that I guess this Saturday is going to be DJ Premier versus the RZA. My money's on Premier. Anybody taking the RZA? Hello? Is this on, thing my on? Money's, my money's on. No, my, exactly. My money's on Premier. My money's all fully on Premiere. AB? I love the Wu-Tang. I love what they did for the culture. I love that Wu-Tang is for the children. Bong bong. They had an amazing staying power. Right However, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Primo, Primo is a different type of animal, man. Um, like there are certain people in hip hop that I look at as the curators of hip hop culture. Um, yeah. Even though, you know, Sirius XM gave the station to LL for Rock the Bells radio, I look at someone like Missy Elliott as a curator of hip hop culture, right? When you listen to her sound, you listen to her music, the samples, the ad libs, the drops, she's really keeping old school hip hop. Like she's she represents the continuity in hip hop from one era to the next, right? I look at DJ Premier that same way because even as hip hop has changed, the way that people make the music has changed, he always has, like, you know a primo record when you hear it, there are always live scratches on the track. Like just those elements of boom bap hip hop that are timeless, that's primo. DJ Premier, P -p 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 Premier, Premier. Uh, I mean, who, who's he bet? Oh, RZA. When, I don't know how many uh, songs they're planning to play. But when Premiere gets to the end, and I don't know, you know, what, regardless of what RZA's got playing, as soon as Premiere drops Big L, rest in peace, and then goes in, it's over. It's over, I mean. Or boom, boom, boom. Greg, N-I-C-E. I mean, he he doesn't have to get out of his gangstar bag. Yeah. That's I'll true. I go the other way. He doesn't have to play Gangstar Records. If you also look, true. You if you look at Premier, just take a look at Premier's discography. Yeah, he can unbelievable go for remix. A long time, right? He can go for a long time. That's usually they, these verses things they do like twenty records, right? He can yeah. go a long time without getting into a Gangstar record. And you know those Gangstar records will be the ones that'll. Or like automatic will be pretty much automatic wins depending on what RZA plays. But I see RZA playing mostly Wu Tang stuff. Mm -hmm. And what else has he done? Maybe no, some Method Man and some, well, I mean those guys. So I can oh. see him really, really killing it with some like only built for Cuba Link stuff. Yeah, some old dirty stuff. I don't know if did he produce Brooklyn Zoo. I don't know if he produced Brooklyn Zoo, but 
I saw I can see RZA really killing it there, and there's some other stuff. He has like you know a Kanye record, a J record, but those records don't compare to Premier's J records, Biggie records, Nas. like Nas. Like he has, I mean, and that's the thing about Premier. And this, and, and uh, here we go again. Um, so I went to when I shot the premiere thing. I went to premiere studio. Oh, oh, did you? Nice. You went to premiere, right? <laughs> nice. And, let me, and so this is the thing about premiere. He still has all the. I think I said this on his podcast before. Mm-hmm. He still has all the original discs, the hard discs that he puts in his MPC. I believe it is. Damn. So he still has all the original discs. So at one point, and I put a clip of it in the videos on my Instagram. He shows the camera some of those original discs so it's like kicking the door biggie uh i forgot what the nas joint was then he has like like... no no it was before that it was like something off the first album and at one point he decided and i the thing about premiere and this this is old studio is that it wasn't organized he just knows where everything is it's one of those so he's a librarian right so he's that stack to stack to discs so at one point i just was like um, Royster Five Nine was down the hallway. And he was coming in just to say hi, and then I was like, "You got the Royce joint?" And he just reaches back, grabs a stack of discs, and pulls it out. Oh, so wow. right. So it's like one of those things. So it's like I think if the if the people that are in the room, well, I don't know who the official judges are. The people in the room are heavy Wu Tang. Then maybe it can side the RZA. But really, Premier's discography is nuts. I'd forgotten about New that. York State of Mind. Right. Yeah, he did New York State of Mind. With right. a real obscure Ooh. sample of uh, Donald Byrd's Flight Time. Right. So so that's what it is. So, I mean, I have, I mean, stranger things have happened. Maybe RZA will pull something out of his back pocket. I was like, oh, I never knew RZA did that. Which has happened a lot in these battles where somebody will pull out something that I didn't know. Like, the, um, I don't know if you guys saw any of the Little John uh, T Pain. Yeah. Right. So Little John T Pain did a did a did a battle. Did Yuck. you guys see that? I heard Brother about Jay it. People said. were like throwing the towel. He's dead already. <laughs> it was. It, Little John was real impressive. Uh-huh. Because after a while, I was just like, and I, I came in late because somebody texted me and was like, "Yo, you have to, you have to go." And I was like, ah, you know, I was kind of busy with the family. It's like, no, no, no. Trust me. I went in and checked wow. it for a little bit. And Lil John was hitting them with like Capleton remixes. Like he was, I was just like, wait, what? Like he was throwing stuff out that I didn't know he did. Wow. And it was one of those things where, and it didn't sound like this. You didn't hear, you know, what? You didn't hear that. You just heard hot joints. And so if Rizza has some of those moments, maybe, but to me, I mean, it's premier hands down. It's, it's, I mean, it should it should be a slaughter. Should be. <laughs> it should be because it should. Be. I mean, you just this reminded is, me of is, that. Even that Royce Five Nine, that boom. That I uh-huh. mean, pfft. right, man. But this is how crazy it is, right? This, this is how crazy it is going up against Primo. The RZA is one of the all-time greats, right? The RZA's catalog is most impressive, and we like, yeah, yeah he about to get mobbed by Primo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nuts. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> it should be a murder. I'm sure there's some woot. It. I think it depends on a couple of things. One, who the judges are, and then how they uh, 
how many songs they get to play. So it's, it's supposed to be twenty. Oh, okay, that's the thing. Okay. It's supposed to be twenty. That's been the standard. They might go fewer. I don't know. Mm. But a lot now, of most people have been doing twenty each. Yeah, they they might go more. I mean, because you can always get surprised. Like I was surprised at long ago before this whole thing was was happening with the Swizz and Just Blaze one. Did you guys see that one? I missed that, that one. No, that one was live in their studio. They were together, and it was like it was like years ago. But the issue was, Blaze Just Blaze wasn't playing all the, like, and it was to the point where people were commenting in the live. Yo, play this. Why yeah. is he not playing yeah. this? And it yeah. was one of those things where, so if Premiere plays a bunch of stuff that people, a lot of people aren't familiar with, like if he plays a boom, which is crazy, but people aren't familiar with, you can lose. He can lose on playing the super underground, and RZA starts playing Cream and right. you know Method Man, and you know you can, you can um, lose that way. Like a primo self come out, and start playing J Root the Damager, and people don't know that. Right. Right, so he right he he can lose on playing yo my underground is better than yours at a production level, but you know I mean to me you know you play the hit you 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 just you just hit him with the biggies and the and the J's and the and the then you start knocking him overhead with Dwick and you know then you just it just escalates. What if that's the way it can go? This sounds like some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I it's gonna be fun, man. I think it's gonna be fun. And one of the things that's already started happening is um on on IG and Twitter, like a DJ Premier challenge started trending where people were live reperforming some of his greatest scratches. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, which, those are yeah, know, which was real dope. That was real dope because that takes some talent, man. Because his scratches are insane. Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely a new. Uh, a new and welcome form of uh, entertainment and hip hop is like always at the uh, forefront and uh, hey it can't hurt it can't hurt because when other time would premiere get this level of shine or yo it's bringing attention back to the DJ right for the first time in a long time like you gotta go back to the 80s for DJs to get love like this right and the thing is, if you go see a DJ at a club or a show or something, they've got to, you know, satisfy whoever hired them. They've got time constraints. They've got to make the audience happy. But with this, a lot of the DJs are playing, not that they're playing for themselves, but they're playing more obscure music. And uh, so you do definitely get a different uh, vibe than... Mm-hmm. Even on Rock the Bells, Rock the Bells, it used to be, what was it called before? The throwback, the... Backspin. Backspin. Aside from the fact that every third song is an LL Cool J song, um, what are your impressions of that? Because I just find when I turn it on, it just always sounds like a random, like somebody put their iTunes on shuffle. Do you want to hear how I really feel? Yeah. It was like when you turned into Fresh Prince of Bel Air and they had a new Aunt Viv. <laughs> okay. And 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 you can't get over it, right? Like, I, I think 
it started out really rocky, right? Because we'd gotten accustomed to something with Rock the Bells radio. They would do sex. Um, and then it sort of switched up, right? They've done some things since then to try to um, generate some better content, have some more continuity. Roxanne Shantae has a show. They have Bismarck E on. Um, who else? They, they were announcing somebody else was getting a show. DJ Mr. C um, got one. Yeah, Mr. C's getting a show. Yeah, I heard him. Um, so, you know, adding some continuity, but it was just, it just felt disjointed, man. It felt like it felt like somebody had programmed set list and it was just it was random the way that R&B stations would be random, but they would play something really, really dope and follow it up with like some slow jam. And you're like, yo, you just killed my vibe. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's it's got it's gotten better. I will give it that it's gotten better, but I still sort of miss backspin. And I understand the rationale behind doing this with someone like LL is there are very few people who have had his sort of continuity longevity in hip-hop but for me I'm like yo Missy Elliott is a real curator of hip-hop history and culture right like I would have loved to see something like that around Missy and when when she you know performed at like I think it was the Super Bowl a couple of years ago all her stuff blew up on iTunes and started trending again because you had a whole bunch of people that were like, wait a minute, this is dope. Like they thought all her stuff was new and she was doing stuff that was 10 years old. And that ended up creating enough juice to do a new album. Um, and from the hip hop perspective, the beats, the lyricism, the creativity in her music videos, like I would have liked to have seen it done around that. But, you know, I don't I don't know if Missy moves the dial the way that they think LL moves the dial. Mm. Well, I'm telling you, it's see, I need more um, DJs, not hosts. I need DJs because, uh-huh. again, the music just it just feels like random songs. Now, Mr. C, he'll get on there, but he's on that old school where he'll just slam a new record like just stop and bam, here comes the next song, which is all right. Um, but I don't know. But considering now that uh i'm under quarantine and haven't been in my car in the last week and a half i haven't heard any serious xm i need to stop paying for that subscription because who knows when i'll be back I think in the car supposed to be able to use the app too because they do have a mobile app mm. well when Jalen get makes it back to california then i'll uh have him show me how to do that <laughs> but uh tech support exactly now uh on this whole coronavirus thing, Scarface from the Ghetto Boys got it and got yeah. it bad. Um, yeah. Have you seen the? Uh, he did an interview with uh, Mr. Willie D. Yeah. And his description, I mean, he was like, he still didn't sound well, but uh-huh. his description sounded like he was just at death's door. Uh-huh. And, uh, Hang on. Actually, I have I have a little bit of the audio where he's describing what he went through. Let me play that. Drop this down a little bit. Like, let's see. Tell me, like, explain to people, you know, like, you know, what you've been going through symptom-wise as far as, like, the type of pressure this thing has put on your body because a lot of people are still under the notion that somehow these celebrities are getting paid to say they have coronavirus. Yeah, okay. Somehow this stuff is not real. And it yeah, is okay. Yeah, okay. 
Well, let me say, let me save your life, homie. Let me save y'all life, man. Like this right here. Uh-oh. Let me save your life, man. Don't play no games with it. I, I woke up uh, Sunday morning. I had an itch in my throat, called my doctor. He got me some uh, Zithromyce Z, uh, Z-Pack and some uh, uh, Prendazone, right? Uh, take that, take that, take that. Come Thursday, my fever just kicks in, bam, 100, 101, 102, 103. Fever going up out the roof, right? This Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I go to the ER, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I get in there, I'm freezing to death. They stick these uh, needles in my arm and start running me uh, IVs. Uh, through my IV, they ran antibodies through my veins. Through my IV, they, I couldn't take it, okay? So they run me three or four bags a day of that shit. Uh, I leave, I go in Sunday, Monday. I'm out Tuesday. Uh, that next Friday I'm back in, even, even, even that next Friday. So I stay in there till Sunday. They swab my nose, trying to find out if I got coronavirus, you know, come back in there again. That next Wednesday, Thursday, nothing. Last night they called me to tell me that at 11.30 at night, mind you, I'm in the bed, sleep. Said that I tested positive for the for the COVID-19, right? Now, I haven't been nowhere. I've been in my house. I ain't been nowhere. I ain't been on no planes. I ain't been in no restaurants. You know, you know how I get out of wheel. I ain't mm-hmm. gonna be everywhere. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna go home. But uh, that shit came up, bro. I got I got COVID. I got the coronavirus, bro. And people out there thinking that this shit is a game. You don't want to play with this. You know I got asthma too. Mm-hmm. So for me to have, right. uh, for me to have pneumonia in both of my lungs and my my uh, my my uh, kidneys and heart and lungs filled up with fluid. I don't see how, how nobody can can even want to play with play them games. Like I don't want to have fun that bad. Yeah, Where it's like my life. Yeah, so <clears throat> the thing about that is I figured might as well let it play because every day on the news, still see knuckleheads walking around, acting like couldn't happen to me, can't happen to me. But uh, as we're finding out, <clears throat> black people are getting it as everything else. Anytime something hits hard, it hits us harder. And uh, I think just the seriousness of his description of what he was going through and the confusion with regard to how he got it um, is definitely kind of 
sad to hear and eye-opening. But what concerns me is in the story, he talks about how he went to the hospital multiple times with it. So who knows who knows who else got infected? So I'm very comfortable saying I don't know. And I don't know. So I'm gonna play it safe. I've been in the house for now my days are just running together. At least a they're week only, and a half. They're only three days now. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds about right. But but he's, I mean, he's, uh, according to the interview, he's, believes he's, uh, he's improving slowly. Um, but, well, you, you look at it, right? There are a couple of things to unpack here. And part of what we saw early on was that folks weren't really taking it that seriously here. There was some news that broke today from ABC News that said that intelligence experts in the federal government had wind of this going back to november and we think about where we are now in april of 2020 was something people had a chance to get on top of on top of that even when infections started to increase in the united states there were people who were downplaying it particularly in this presidential administration yeah ruby rudy gobert from the utah jazz tested positive and that changed everything because when Rudy Gobert got infected, it got people to take it like a critical matter that it really was. NBA shut down, NCAA shut down, other leagues started shutting down, and then people started to sort of um, pay attention. Scarface mentioned in the interview with Willie D that he was like, you know, I already have asthma. Right. There are certain preconditions that make you more susceptible to coronavirus having hypertension, having diabetes, being overweight, having respiratory problems like asthma, all those things can make you more susceptible and make the virus hit you harder. When you go down that list of factors, that's black America. And, you know, I I got into an argument on online, not an argument, but a discussion with one of my graduates. And she made the point that, well, these are things that black people have some control over. We have control over what we eat. We have control over whether or not we exercise. And I'm like, are you so sure? My attitude is always the choices we make are limited to the choices that we have. Food deserts are real. There are places where you can't go within a mile and get fresh produce and things like that, right? Right. And on top of that, where I live now, yeah, I can go outside for a walk at 10 o'clock at night and do three miles in my neighborhood and be good, right? Whereas I couldn't go out in the daytime in my old hood without something popping off. Hmm. So all of those preconditions put us in worse shape. And that's what Scarface kind of touched on, man. Like the people who have dealt with this is hit hard. Like a, a, a one of the OGs in my old neighborhood passed away from this last week. And I have a friend in the profession, a new PhD out of Howard. Man, he lost his aunt to this. And when you look at the places that are when you look at the, the the map and you see the places where the virus is expected to hit big next, it's all in the southeast and the southwest. And 55% of black folk live in the south. You look at the cities, places like Chicago, Detroit, black folk make up a, a, a smaller percentage of the population, 20 to 30 something percent. They make up like 70% of the infections. So it's hitting black America really hard. And so the last thing I'll say on this, um, There's a brother that I follow on Twitter. He's an economist named uh, Trayvon Logan. 
And he said, missing from the racial analysis of COVID-19 is the fact that the virus is running rampant in American prisons. And prisons are disproportionately black and disproportionately black male. And so this is making the racial disparity worse. On top of that, the sister that headed up the New York Times 1619 project, she tweeted, it's amazing how many people on here talking about Twitter. Mm. It's amazing how many people on here are comfortable saying that black people are fat. So it's their fault that they got COVID-19 and it's their fault that it's happening disproportionately to them, that it's killing them. And it's so on brand that no one was blaming COVID-19 victims for getting sick and dying until they found out they were black. Yeah. And that's been like, okay, well, oh, it's just really hurting black people. All right, so can we open up the beaches again? Like, that's where we kind of are now, and it's disgusting. Yeah. Well, the, it, um, hmm. I'm going to go at this personally, then I'm going to go at this uh, with some other research that's just come out. Personally, I have two relatives, close relatives, that have the coronavirus. Rough. It's crazy. I've spoken to both of them. Actually, I was... I had to, uh, last night, my wife and I drove about 25 minutes to drop toilet paper off on one of their doorsteps because they can't find any and they're sick in the house. Um, uh, The other, I mean, I speak to both of them pretty often, especially after they've been um, diagnosed. They, uh, one of them has some underlying uh, health issues. The other one doesn't is strong fine works hard like moves is very mobile and the one thing he said to me was he was like yo the trick with this is he's like you'll feel fine then you won't feel fine at all he was like i felt okay but the reason why he went in is because he found out that people he worked with had it Right. So he, so he quarantined himself, isolated himself from his family in his house with his family, isolated himself, went and got the test, found that he had it. Um, but then he was like, listen, he was like, I was okay. Then I wasn't. But then he's like, four days later, he said, I felt fine. Then the next day, he said, it was the worst flu you've ever had. Do that 10 times over. He's like, headache, I couldn't walk, I couldn't breathe. He was like, I was laying in a bed. Like he was like, it was nuts. Damn. So now he's now he said that I talked to him earlier today. He was like, I feel like I'm, you know, he's like he's turned the corner. Um, he's feeling better. He's like, his fever's down, he's getting his appetite back. Um, I know a friend of my wife's, her father passed away. Uh I think, and another friend of mine, his fiance knows 22 people who died. Wow. So imagine you know 22 people who died. She knows 22 people. That's a lot. I mean, if you think about the people that you know, and imagine 22 of them are gone all from the same cause. Yeah. Dude, that's like I lost a whole class or I lost all of my advisees, right? Exactly. Like, that's nuts. And so, um, some of these people... Uh, my relatives actually two of my relatives work for MTA actually I, I have more than two relatives I have like five or six relatives including like in-laws that work for the MTA the big complaint with them was we're not receiving any protection and this is this goes back quite a few weeks they were like we're not getting any protection 
from all of this. So I know they were like, people were showing in the news, oh, the MTA, they're scrubbing down, you know, the trains more often or every three hours or every other day or whatever they said they were doing. But they still weren't giving the, the, the workers protection. Last count, well, yesterday's count, 33 MTA workers have passed away from this. Damn. Like, a close to 1,500, I believe, was self-quarantined. Yeah, y'all know we like, got the homie Dirty Rat worker for MTA. Right. Another, like, two or 3,000 are positive and they're at home. And it's part of it is because they didn't give them the protection. So, they and they were saying, yo, we need the protection. And so, people started buying their own masks, wearing their own gloves. And then the thing was, it was like people's crews would go down. So your crew, uh-huh. so if somebody in your crew got it, and your crew, I'm saying your MTA crew. So, uh-huh. you know, you come in, your shift, that person has it. Everybody scatters. And like, they're all like, all right, I got to isolate. They all get it. And so that's what, that's what's happening. And so people, and so every time I keep hearing people say, New York especially, they say, oh, we'll be back in two weeks. No, we won't. We won't be back. We don't believe that we'll be back. I'm telling you, from knowing the people that are impacted, the blue-collar workers that are impacted, we won't be back. Because I also know NYPD, people work for NYPD. Yeah, they got hit hard, too. They're, they're, they got hit hard, too. They get hit hard as, as hard as the MTA workers. They got hit hard, too. The problem with NYPD is a lot of them have to take the sick days down. So they're taking the sick days down, um... And then the EMS workers are taking sick days now. I know people work for EMS in New York. So you an EMS worker, they so they all taking they're all quarantining because they've all been exposed. So the more it's it's coming at the people who work in New York City at a in a different way that people don't understand. And right. so this won't be this won't end soon. Especially because of the way I, I speak to people who've had it or I'm getting a phone call like, oh, so-and-so's parents died or so-and-so. Pray for this person. Um, um, people who work in the investment industry. I know a bunch of people who work in like the banking floors. They have people there who were exposed. They didn't tell anybody. The whole floor is all scared now. Um, and so recently, as far as I said research, I just want to come to this research real quick. New York Times just came out with a study. Well, just talked about a study that the coronavirus in New York came mainly from Europe. Mm. So you have somebody, a geneticist from the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, who says that he found it came clearly from Europeans. And then a second a second group, of, a second team from the NYU Grossman School of Medicine, they came to the same conclusion. And they said it all, they said they all started seeing it come in because they, what they did was they tested the genomes from people who got it in mid-March and all of them had the genomes from Europe, not from China. So it's been here before. It came, they said they believed it came before the mass testing started. So it mm-hmm. happened two weeks before people started going down. So I would guess that would be like mid-February. Yep, this was mid-February. So mid-February, that's when it started to circulate. Damn. Right. So and inside this is, of inside of two months you see how bad it's gotten right and inside of two months this is what happened and Man. so you know being here at the epicenter and i don't want to bring be the total downer it's but it's crazy and it's 
I mean, the, the things that you see, the things that you hear, the people that you talk to, um, and everybody's worried. And then you still see when the USS Comfort uh, naval ship comes in, the, med- the medical ship comes in on the west west side of Manhattan, you see a bunch of people crowded around taking pictures on the west side of New York. Right. To take the picture of the medical ship. But guess what, fools? You're all standing next to each other. You're right. all going to spread right. it. You don't realize what's going on. Yeah, what you said, um, Dre, it flies in the face of the way that the, the current presidential administration has tried to brand it, right? This dude took a black Sharpie to his notes, scratched out coronavirus or COVID-19 to write, you know, the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus. And so to have this New York Times study or New York Times story that brings in research from two independent studies confirm that it got to New York by way of Europe, you know, that's the thing about a global health pandemic. They don't know borders. They ignore borders. What's wild, um, there was a story this week about the Bush administration, right? And how the Bush administration looked at the information about, you know, viral threats and pandemics and MW was shook. This is coming after Katrina, right? So Katrina is one of the greatest domestic public failures of his administration. They get this information about the threat of a pandemic and he's like, we need to get ready for this. It happens about every hundred years. We're creeping up on that. And so they put some resources in place and some coordination to deal with that type of threat. And he says, if we tried to get ready after it happened, it would be too late. So they start developing the infrastructure. They hand it off to the Obama administration. The Obama administration further builds it up. They hand it off to the Trump administration and Trump jumped it. He's like, you know, we don't need this. You can't justify the resources. We don't need this. And we lost time. He was saying, you know, in early February, or, you know, this won't be a big thing. We'll have 15 cases. It'll go down. Won't be a big thing. It took the Rudy Gobert incident, the professional sports league shutting down, you know, Broadway shutting down and all these other things to happen for them to then begin to take it more seriously. Part of my concern now is that we're seeing a racially disparate impact. And because black people are negatively constructed and sometimes thought of as disposable, that maybe the care and concern dissipates because it's hitting hardest community of people that folk don't like anyway. But you, you know what's going to happen with that? The same thing that happened with the war on drugs. Uh. Because you know how it happened. It was like, uh. oh, we don't care. Or, or, or even HIV and AIDS. It was yeah. like, oh, we don't care because it's the, it's what was it? It was the gay cancer. They called it gay men's cancer. Right. It was the gay men's cancer. And when it, when crack was hitting, they didn't care because you know what? It was these poor black people that happened. Then right. when Susie was smoking crack in her dorm room. Right. Or when Chad got AIDS and started spreading it in his dorm room right. or through his frat, then it got, right. then people started getting concerned. So the, you know, the guy in the White House right now, he, you know, he's pretty much leaving New York to die. He's like, you don't need 30,000 ventilators. Why would you need that? I don't think you need that because everything's based on his opinion. Yeah. Your man was but, up here talking about, well, they haven't been nice to me. Some of right. these governors that are now asking me for things haven't been nice to me. Right, right. And that's and that's what he wants. He wants everybody to kowtow and, 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 and bend the knee. But the idea is that, oh, it's going to stop here in New York. But guess what? That's not how it rolls. 
like you said, yeah, there York are no borders. Like the North remembers, right? But right. there's, but there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no, like you said, there are no borders for this. It's gonna keep None. going. And and I had long said, once they said, oh, we have a confirmed case in Washington State. I remember. Yeah. Um, I was like, no, there's more than that. I was like, because there's no way you're gonna say, oh, it's over there. It just got there. I'm like, no, that's not how. Uh-huh. That's not how. That's not how <laughs> viruses work. Right. Yeah, Especially we like to say virus. we're all in this together, but the longer this goes on, we're going to find out more about we're not really all in this together. Yeah. Right. Um, there have been moments when people have done things to demonstrate uh, real humanity and compassion, where people are living their values and really digging in deep to help other people. But through all of this, we don't need, you know, public spirited millionaires and billionaires. We needed a better government at the state and federal level. Yeah, we needed a fully functioning, efficient governmental response because we can't just rely on millionaires and billionaires to come to the rescue. I don't see Bruce Wayne out here. I don't see Oliver Queen out here. See, I'm, I'm wondering. It's kind of like, um, in my opinion, tensing a muscle. And right now, you have a. A sizable number of people who are staying inside, keeping their distance, wearing masks, doing all that. How long will people keep that up? Un- un- Put it like this. If you don't know someone or aren't close to someone who has had the virus to make it real for you, then I'm wondering how many of these people are going to get to a point, maybe two, three weeks from now where they say, you know what? I don't have it. I don't know anybody who's got it. I'm going outside or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. That's what... No, but I, I think ahead. Dre hit the nail on the head, though, because the look at what's happened in other countries, right? Look at the timeline for Italy and when things really hit the fan mm-hmm. and when the numbers got really, really bad, right? There are people who are walking around, like Dre was talking about the family, Feeling good, not knowing they're infected, showing no signs of infection. Right. And in that point, they're walking around and maybe putting others at risk. There are people who are sick right now or who are infected right now that don't know it, that we don't hear about because they're not getting tested. And as more people get tested, we're going to find out more people were infected. People are probably going to look back at some deaths that have happened recently and say, yeah, that was probably Corona. And we probably do have people in our personal circles who were infected and if we're not careful if we're not disciplined if we come up too soon we run the risk of making this even worse oh i i agree with that i'm just wondering about the uh the knuckleheads because i uh, like i said i haven't been out of my house for a good week and a half um, the last time I went out was to the grocery store and right. now I'm looking at this last loaf of bread I've got sitting here and I'm thinking, do I really need a peanut butter and jelly? Yeah. No, right. let me save that bread. <laughs> About to start making open face sandwiches. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stretch the bread. Man, because I'll put it like this. I was, I was inside doing, you know, what I was supposed to be doing, working from home and I need to go to Costco. So I got in the car and went over to Costco and I pulled up and they had like 
barriers set up outside. They had people uh, handing out wipes. It was like uh, a very somber. And I was shook. I, I had to sit in the car for about a good three or four minutes just getting my nerve up like, all right, all right. Got to do this, slapping myself so in the face. Like something out of World War II when people were, you know, in gas lines and rationing food. I could deal with the gas lines and rationing food, but thinking that I'm about to get out of my car and go in here, and I don't know yeah. if I might come out with it. And man, it was a it was a crazy thing. So I just bought all the groceries I could afford and came back, and I've been sitting in the house ever since. And uh, which is why I think my with, wife gets scared whenever I go out for groceries. Yeah, I mean, the wife gets shook because we just don't know. And I think with the Scarface thing, part of the reason I wanted to play that is because, you know, there there are some people who, perhaps a Scarface getting it makes it real for them. A Slim Thug getting it makes it uh -huh. real for them. Um, but hopefully everybody is staying safe. And because people are inside, they got more time to listen to podcasts, but there's a couple other things um, to get to. So I'll leave it up to you two uh, to decide. So we've got the whole this whole public enemy Chuck D. Flavor Flav uh, <laughs> situation. And then we've got uh, the J. Electronica.